Hey, Flickin' Real fans, what's going on? It is your host of the News and Views show here on the FanCast, one Jesse Swift, and of course, Scott Fox. How are we all doing today? Fantastic. Glad to be here. Excited to talk movies. Some things. As yes. you can see in the thumbnail and also in the description, some some interesting stuff here. Um Obviously, we always talk about trailers, and we got a plethora of them dropped all in one day. So my internet's crapping out. <laughs> no worries. Uh, okay, so uh, thank you everyone for joining here today, and we will get. Oh, actually, before we do, we do we want to do the new new segment before we get into the topics? Uh, yeah, let's, let's launch off today, uh, get a, give people a chance to warm up and join us with some comments and, and engagement. Uh, but here's the fun thing every week when we get together on Monday, if you may not know this, Jesse is a hardcore trivia fan, uh, participates in the Schmodown, the movie, uh, movie trivia Schmodown. Uh, I am a hardcore trivia fan as well, but mine's more of a broad everything. Jesse's really blows me out of the water when it comes to movies. But to kind of warm us up, get you guys chatting with us, I am going to test Jesse at the start of our shows and see how well you guys do with some of these. And I will pick a category at random based on my own liking and the fact that I'm older and I know a lot of weird movies that Jesse doesn't. And I'm going to challenge this him. This is designed to, to make me feel awful. It's okay, though, because I'm... I just oh, had a yeah. Robin Hood. Yes. Uh, so you had a Robin Hood. Uh, sorry, you cut out there for a second on my end. But um, basically, what I'm going to do is tell you a category. And then I'm going to ask you five, six, up to no more than 10, because we want to keep this short as just an intro to the show. Uh, but this is the first one. And today's category is catchphrases. Maybe. Oh, so I don't need the movie. I don't need the actor. I want the catchphrase and the character. Who said it? Fun, fun. And so uh, these are kind of some are classics. Some uh, might be a little more challenging, and some are going to be right in your wheelhouse. I know as well. Zero for ten. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm bonus gonna, points I'm if you can tell me the, the movie comments. and the actor, but uh, it, really, it's about the character. I'm getting out of the comments, so you guys in the comments can play along, and I won't cheat them. And if you guys have ideas for other types of trivia you'd like us to do as a warm up here. Uh, donate to that Streamlabs link down there. Give us some suggestions. That's uh, www.streamlabs.com slash flick and reel. We'll pull from there for maybe some of the following weeks. But uh, with that, throw it at now me, these, these catchphrases should be the ones that basically are the ones that after the movie, everyone keeps repeating. And you hear all the time. So, <laughs> good morning, Vietnam. You or said Vietnam. not Vietnam. You said not the actor, but the character? The character. Oh, that makes that so much harder. Now, if you can tell me the actor in the movie, that's pretty easy. Good morning, Vietnam, Robin Williams. Clearly. But I don't know the character's name. Based on a true story, uh, it is actually Adrian Cronauer, which... Oh, the more you know. Most people remember Scott's gonna Robin Williams. Williams. So that uh, <laughs> next next season, I can enter singles in the showdown. So it's what Scott's <laughs> trying to prep me for here. All right. Hey, you guys. That is um, 
the Goonies and any other day. Come on, buddy. You know his name. My brain's telling me sloth. That's not right. That is correct. That is correct. Okay. That is okay. Correct. Yes. It's... Trust your instincts, Jesse. As a trivia yeah. competitor, you know that your initial gut reaction is correct 80% of the time. I need a Babe Ruth. That'll also that <laughs> Babe Ruth. Um, all right. Now, I, I feel like I didn't intend to do this, but 80s movies really did have a lot more better one-liners that they- We get it, Scott. Out. You're old. <sighs> yes. <sighs> I love the smell of napalm in the morning. So I'm not I'm not gonna get the character name, but is that Apocalypse Now? That is Apocalypse Now. And I'll be honest, is I the didn't know actor, the character. It's not Martin Sheen, is it? It's the other No, it's the other guy. Yeah, it's the other guy. I can't think right now. Uh, but it's Lieutenant Colonel Bill Kilgore. Uh, and again, I would not Kilgore's a pretty subtle name, right? Yes, very subtle. (laughs) All right. Here's Johnny. I'm getting half points all over the place. All right. That is Jack Nicholson in The Shining, whose name is... Wow. It's it's, it's, It's Jack in Batman. All work and no play makes. Jack. Is it also Jack? It's Jack. <laughs> it's Jack. It's Jack in real life in two movies. Yes. That's upsetting. I think more than two. If you really dig into his stuff. So my, again, I should have gone with my instinct, right? Because yep. um, Jack is the first thing that came to mind. I was like, no, that's just because of Jack Napier in Batman. It's uh, Jack Torrance. Yes, it is. Uh, very tough. good. You're at 11 a.m., but you know what? More hey, you're here. doing now. This one, this will, this is a softball. I'm gonna lay up for you. Alrighty then. Alrighty then would be uh, Jim Carrey's Ace Ventura in Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Well done. And then I know Kung Fu. That would be Neo, Keanu Reeves, The Matrix. All right. And we're going to throw one last one. These are fun. <laughs> you got to ask your, or let me start that over. You got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Do you? Punk? Uh, I won't know the last name, but I know it's Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry. That's Harry. Harry is correct. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it even says speaking to a criminal suspect before arresting him as a description of why he's saying that. But it is Harry and Dirty Harry. So well done. You actually did quite well. I did not keep score uh, because, you know, this is our first time. And it was just for fun anyways as a good way to get the show going. So, All right. Well, that and was... I feel like you do all the legwork. So I thought this week I would actually put some effort into our show and look up some trivia questions because that's like my favorite thing. I appreciate that. That's fun. I didn't have a chance to ask you yet. Um, we'll, we'll start uh, trudging through our topics here. Uh, did you have a chance to watch uh, last week's What If? I did not. Uh, okay. I'll be honest. Last week, uh, every day had something morning, midday, and evening. All week, all weekend. And today, carried that 
baton forward. <laughs> so, no, not yet, but it is on my list of things to watch. Oh, you know what? I'm not even looking at my notes. I'm so used to. So we started our new Sunday show last night, which is really just a kickback, no notes. We just kind of go and talk about whatever we have guests on. Um, we, the amount of time we spent talking about the uh, Hey You Pikachu on the N64 last night was pretty, <laughs> oh pretty good time. Gosh. But uh, so we do have things to discuss here. Uh, before we dive into topics, we have a quick message for everyone viewing right now. Uh, we really want to grow this channel and devote more time and energy into making informative and entertaining content. And this can be achieved most simply by taking a second to like, comment, and subscribe to our channel. It's really easy. If you haven't done it yet, click, click, click. Boom. Uh, just make sure to hit that bell icon so you never miss a new upload. Because we have news and views every Monday morning at 11 a.m. And then we have our Swift Wings Speakeasy new show starting uh that started last night and that's sundays at 11 p.m really easy to remember our shows are 12 hours apart for now those are just the two shows uh secondly our dream does not stop at 150 subscribers we are slowly approaching 200 subscribers and that is a big goal that we want to have uh accomplished well before the new year so podcasting is in fact what we love to do and we both love to invest more into this channel and you can help by visiting that link down there on the bottom, streamlabs.com slash flick hyphen in hyphen real. Uh, your donations will help immensely with building this channel into a geek speaking utopia. So thank you. Plug, 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 blah, blah, blah. Great. That's out of the way. Now That's- with the new show last night, I tuned in for you in uh wing blade, uh, yes, swift sir. wings. And uh, you guys did an awesome job. I really enjoyed uh, tuning in and listening to you guys chat. Cause uh, being a movie junkie uh, sometimes, the unscripted lets you go wherever you want to go or wherever the people ask questions to go. And it makes it really fun and entertaining. Uh, since you titled it the Swift Wings Speakeasy, did you guys have a hidden door that you Absolutely. could put your little uh, uh, alcohol yes, yeah, exactly. uh, kind of corner only, in? We only drink uh, water and moonshine <laughs> on the Speakeasy channel. Well, sometimes you got to water it down. That stuff can burn pretty bad. <laughs> Um, but you guys, that was a, that was fun to kind of tune in on. And I'll be honest, while I was watching, I had, (laughs) I had a lot of opinions and I was just like, oh man, I should, I should try and tune in or try and like hack into the show and and speak my voice. Uh, Maybe maybe next week. If you would have just sent a uh, message or something, I would invite you on there. I figure it's past your bedtime and you're unconscious. So, uh, no, I actually yesterday I was so tired after church and after giving the message and and everything that goes in with that that I crashed midday and took a two and a half hour nap. So I was up late because I was wired. Yes. And I probably so had you're coffee. Always too late invited. Today. I just made the assumption that you weren't around. <laughs> you are of course always invited. To now you are day. correct because of my senior citizen status. I wasn't. I'm usually in bed at that time. So thank you. <laughs> All right, on to actual topics. All right, since Scott has not seen What If, uh, this episode essentially was What If Thor Was an Only Child, and Odin gave Loki back back to Laufey instead of taking it back to Asgard. Uh, So it's Thor basically embracing all of his worst attributes, and he becomes party Thor. And he decides he's going to go to Earth and just throw a giant rager that's got like every character the MCU has ever offered having a party. Um, it's a real fluffy episode. There's not a whole lot to it. I think the highlight is that they they call in the big dog and the big dog being Carol Danvers to come and give Thor the what for. 
and smack them around a bit and have them clean up the planet. More or less, that's the episode. They haven't been doing much for me lately. I think I like the concept of what if as we went along. Um, not to say it's a wash, but it's hit and miss generous. is is generous, I think. Uh, I'm curious to see what they have coming up. There was a big tease at the end of this episode for how they might wrap up the entirety of the season, so that's exciting to see. Um, Did they find an unnecessary way to kill Iron Man in this one? Uh, no, they just didn't have him exist, which is weird because there's so many things about this episode where it's like, wouldn't Iron Man be like around? But I don't know he's probably already dead in this universe. Who knows? Yeah, what if is one I've got to just sit down, binge, and and get caught back up on. Yeah, they're only like 25 minutes. It's not too hard to do. No. Um, well, instead of doing what if, I followed your lead from recommendations last week, and I started watching Wellington Paranormal. Did you? Which, by the way. Okay, we're positive. Choice. We're positive. Choice. <laughs> <laughs> I got through three episodes. So stupidly good. It is. It is British humor, but obviously New Zealand humor, which is very similar, but it's just off- off the charts, stupid. It's, like they're in the I, midst of a paranormal uh, event, and they're like, uh, they they can't quite grasp what's happening. And the whole alien in the in the field of corn, uh, in episode two, was just. Uh, I love the writing, kind of the absent-minded, uh, not coming to realization of what they're actually dealing with, but trying to find a, a regular excuse for the the absurdity. Uh, it. it it was it was I, I want, gold. I want you to go into more Wellington when we get into our what what are we watching segment. But yeah. I will say the very first episode when there's a demon that's like body hopping and it gets into the dog, it's like your mom's going to hell. He's like, their dog was saying some off-color things about my mother. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so it's it's spot on. It's perfect. It, and it very much has that Taika YTD feel i'm so glad that somebody else has seen it because i have yet to come across somebody that's even heard of it i'll be honest hbo max has a ton of stuff and most of it is kind of i kind of want to see but i've seen a lot of it and when you recommended wellington paranormal especially knowing that jermaine clement and taika waititi are behind it uh really it i had bypassed that several times not really thinking much of different. it just another just another paranormal show but the fact that they take a cop's angle on it and then there's a secret door and he puts in his code five <laughs> i got i got it? a secret password and then he, he pushes it in they're like so it was five and he goes no there's more and then pulls the the cabinet open it's a secret door in a hallway that nobody knows is there but the fact that the password is five to let him in the secret code I don't know if you've gotten there, but he keeps changing how he gets in there. Like he pretends he like puts his finger there and it's like finger scan recognized. You guys heard that, right? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it it was good though. Yeah. I'm, I'm only a couple episodes in, um, but it was definitely one of the recommendations that I I took forward and I I really enjoyed. So sorry. I know that derailed where we were beginning. Thank, Thank you so much for the very smooth transition into talking about streaming because Netflix dropped a whole bunch of new trailers, uh, just a couple days ago. One of them I was really highly anticipating. I didn't realize it was going to be like Netflix, like here's all of our trailers. I was uh, getting really excited about the Sandman trailer. I was hoping it was more of a trailer, but it was kind of just a teaser. And I think if you don't know anything about the Sandman, this teaser is not going to be what sells you because it gives very, very little. Um, I want to talk so much more about the Sandman. But This is just a, the trailer was just, or the teaser was just a cult summoning ceremony to draw somebody out. And, um, and uh, from what I gathered from it, they're summoning a, a 
a version of death of some sort. That's the intent. Uh, or an attribute or an, an attribute of it, but what they got is the dreams. They got the Sandman right. portion of it. Yes. Uh, which um, death told you is is Dream's sister. Okay. And there's um in the I said I keep I'm gonna keep saying in the comics, but really I'm getting all of my information from the Audible. But every time I look something up on Google, the Audible is like going line by line, and the only thing they add into the Audible is descriptions because you're not okay. seeing it. It's very very like bit by bit. But uh, when they get Dream and he finally like talks to somebody, he said like beast or the world doesn't know how grateful they should be that they didn't summon my sister. Uh, the cast looks really great. It's interesting. They've done a little bit of gender bending, some race bending, but you're dealing with a lot of these characters that are referred to as the endless. And I think when you have things that are like deities or gods, I think you have a lot more fluidity in things like that because they really change appearances all the time. Uh, anyways, hey, it, it, uh, uh, thank you, my son, for making his a weekly appearance. Um, my daughter, I'm sure, at some point will do the same. The uh, definitely will not be a show I'll be watching with my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, no. uh, I liked it in that I don't know anything about this, and uh, the but the I'm blanking on the actor's name, but the gentleman who was orchestrating the Charles Dance, yes, from um, Game of Thrones, Tywin Lannister. He's been around so much longer than that. I, I oh, remember yes. him from the Golden Child back in the nineteen late nineteen eighties uh, with Eddie Murphy. Um, great actor. He certainly brings a lot of presence, and he is uh, kind of a perfect fit to be leading this kind of cult uh, raising. Everything I know the about character. the character, it's that's spot on. Yeah, and so I was uh, as soon as I saw him on screen, I'm like, okay, so it's got a legit cast of actors. It's got good Speaking quality actors in it. Speaking of Game of Thrones, Gwendolyn Christie is going to be playing Lucifer. Wow. Which all is right. interesting. So, uh, yeah, that's all that to say. Uh, the teaser was certainly a teaser. It didn't tell you anything about what the show is. It didn't show you anything beyond this initial point. Um, and you really had to pay attention to what was being said in order to catch even the little bit that you did. And the um, voice you hear in the uh, second half of the trailer is Boyd Holbrook from Logan. Okay. Uh, who's going to be playing the Corinthian, who is nightmare fuel. Um, the way he's described in the Audible is terrifying, so I had to look up comic images. He wears sunglasses all the time. So he is one of Dream's escaped nightmares from the Dream Realm that's just wreaking havoc, and he is, I would just say, just gathering the worst of humanity and making them all feel validated for their worst sins. So all the worst things that they do whether it's murder, rape, what have you, in their minds, they are so justified because of the Corinthians' effect on them. If, uh, when he takes his sunglasses off, though, his eyes are two more pairs of mouths. It's terrifying. Well, if that doesn't uh, add to your nightmare uh, as a form of fuel, uh, I'm not sure what else then to see that. The only other thing I can think of is in um, Pan's Labyrinth when he's got the guy with the eyes on the hands and no eyes, but he puts his I hands up there so he can see everything. To see Guillermo del Toro tackle Sandman. Oh, but it would his, have to be a series. The series is the right way to do this story. Well, th that's good. We have that discussion quite regularly about whether because uh, so many um, great properties are forced in Dune is being forced into a movie when we both agree a series would give it more time to develop without rushing the story, and so. 
you know, the hope is they do it right. And if uh, certain stories you want to be a series because you want them to be able to really draw it out and, and do give it full justice. And too often we see great properties just jam packed into a movie and they cut all the good stuff out in order to make it fit in two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're supposed to, I guess we're supposed to be talking about all the Netflix stuff, but like Sandman's what I was really excited about. So it's really easy for me to, talk. I mean, John Constantine got well known off of Sandman. Uh, Martian Manhunter makes an appearance in there. Arkham Asylum has a big role in the first bit. But uh, I, the reason it should be a show is because the story's not told in a linear fashion. They hop around centuries because he's an endless being. And then the so, stories retie in together. Question. Since yes. uh, you're mentioning Martian Manhunter, Constantine, um, some of the other characters, are those DC properties? Sandman a DC property? Sandman is Netflix? a DC property. Um, a rid- it's a DC comic, yeah. I, <laughs> I should say, when I say DC property, but yeah. Uh, I was yeah. about to ask you, was this a, a, a Dark Horse property or one of the other ones? I wasn't sure I who was producing. Is, I think Neil Gaiman is working with Netflix, and he has like kind of the, I believe the rights to Sandman, I think, uh, Neil Gaiman from, of course, Stardust. Uh, the last thing I'll say about Sandman before moving on is it is such a progressive story. It ran from 1986 to, or 1989, sorry, to 1996. So about seven years in the amount of transgender, um, non-binary gay, um, all like spectrums, were represented so well in this story. And I'm like, this story is could have been written yesterday and would still feel like it's ahead of its time. And I think it's very refreshing. You, sir, I know you listen to Audible from time to time. And you said this isn't a show you can watch with your kids. Well, you can listen to Audible. Plug those headphones in. Um, no, it's just a one, show you have to watch really late. <laughs> yeah. Act, you might not want to. That could be Nightmare Fuel. Act 1 and Act 2 are both on Audible. And each one's about 12 hours right now. And if that doesn't sell you, James McAvoy plays Dream. And if you want some sweet nothings being whispered into your ear, that is a sultry voice for Audible, my friend. Uh, Now, a question. Is he using his natural Scottish accent or is he uh, inflecting It's somewhere in the mix. It's something something in the mix. So it's a toned down Scottish accent. (laughs) It's not as thick as his normal one. But uh, McAvoy such a great actor and to hear him uh, to know that I'll have to go check that out just because I know look, look at the uh, cast list for it. Kat Dennings. Um, oh, really? Um, Michael Sheen. Uh, Riz Ahmed. Uh, oh, oh, John Lithgow is an act two. Nice. It's crazy. Lithgow's fantastic. Also uh, one of the most underrated villains in any movie. Cause he's such a lovable guy when you see him in comedies. Uh, like uh, Third Rock from the Sun, so many shows, but then movies as a bad guy, he is so intimidating and scary. But then you I, also see him in uh, the show The Crown where he plays um, uh, Churchill and he's dynamite. Uh, ironically, you bring up uh, Third Rock from the Sun. In the last time that Sandman almost came to fruition was with Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who was going to, I believe, direct and star in the property, but never got off the ground. Neil Gaiman's been very, very protective of this property. So the fact that he's so involved here and so supporting it gives me a lot of hope. Uh, last time I checked, it said it was coming out before the end of the year. 
Netflix usually doesn't give you trailers too long before they come out. So I'm hoping we get it in like December. No, Netflix springs stuff on you right before it happens. Like their their marketing team is not always the greatest. This will be one of the few times. Usually I'm like, I like the weekly release, like Mandalorian, WandaVision, stuff like that. Sandman, I'm like, yeah, give me the season. Drop it. I'm going to binge the whole thing so fast. Yeah, Uh, Do the full dump and let's just get on with this. All right. Uh, There's more trailers that came. I believe Cowboy Bebop was number two on our list. Incredibly popular anime, something that anybody that I've talked to that's a fan of anime has brought up many times. I know very little about it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert. Um, it's always had very dynamic imagery. I think uh, I love John Cho as an actor. I know mm-hmm. there's some people saying that he's too old for the lead role. Remains oh. to be seen. I haven't seen either this adaptation or the original, but the imagery that they had for this like opening credits, they released the opening yes, credits. Yes, the opening opening sequence. I'm having a lot of fun already. I'm interested in checking this out um, if I find it, time. <laughs> it had very much a very stylized 1970s uh, Charlie's Angels um, shaft type of cop feel. And there, there are three bounty hunters uh, or cowboys. And the uh, just the way it's presented, the feel of it, I actually, in the midst of watching it, had a thought like this, this feels like a Tarantino type of Kill Bill-esque, the way they did the comic book settings with everything being bra- uh, bracketed and, and put into the trailer. Uh, the music, it all had that really cool hip but not not fake forcing it like we're trying to be hip but we're not it was very cool the kind of the kung fu action sequences tied in with the gun work like almost like a uh or bebops uh i don't know if they're cowboys or bebops or uh, rock steadies uh oh for all you ninja (laughs) turtle fans back there um the but the, the overall feel and it almost had that gung fu uh, John Wick type feel with how they were using the guns in this in the trailer, uh, but it looked really good and it it didn't give you too much about the show or what it's going to be about really. Um, but the opening, just that opening sequence of what it will look like each week, um, if, at least for the first time you watch it, then every episode after that you'll just be like bypass um, and <laughs> skip credits. Uh, but it looked really cool, and I don't think um, uh, uh, Jonathan Show or uh, is is too old. I didn't. I didn't get that feel out of the trailer. Like he didn't fit the character that he was portraying. I felt like it looked good. I love seeing him like um, do some of that Wing Chun fighting on the wooden mm-hmm. dummies and stuff. Being a big fan of Ip Man, that was really cool to see. I'm. I'm. I think excited might be a little strong, but they've got me interested. I'm. I'm hooked by the trailer. I will. I'll check it out. Uh, I'm definitely going to give it uh, at least one episode, if not two, just to kind of see what everything is all about. Um, but that was certainly a. The trailer gave it enough to want to at least take a look at it. I will say this, though. Even though Sandman showed less, Sandman did more to make me want to watch it than Cowboy Bebop did. And I have seen some of the anime Cowboy Bebop, and I'm always a little leery when they try and cross over the anime into live action. It's a really hard transition because anime fans are diehard anime fans, and they don't really like their properties being screwed with or messed up in any shape or form. Let's look at the track record. Ghost in the Shell, Death Note, Dragon Ball Evolution. Not good. Alita Battle Angel. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. First That, off, that movie's actually pretty good. <laughs> Ghost in the Shell was a was 
not That's... worth watching half of it. <laughs> that was bad. No, I will, yes. I'll defend Alita Battle Angel. No, Alita but Battle Angel is pretty good. We could, um, not perfect, but quite entertaining. Uh, we can, I think, slide over to some existing properties. Those are both new to Netflix, so that's cool that we're getting some new shows. I've needed something to bring me back onto Netflix. I've been on HBO, Hulu, Amazon, now Apple TV. I honestly haven't really ventured onto Netflix for a minute. So with all these shows, I'm like, oh, now I can finally spend some time on there. Um, we have two shows returning. You can tell me which one you want to talk about first. Stranger Things Season uh, 4, finally, and The Witcher Season 2. The I'll, I'll be honest. Um, let's move by. Let's let's talk Stranger Things so we can move past it because uh, The Witcher was the one that really okay. uh, caught me more. Um, I think it speaks to your uh, sensibilities I'll, a bit. Well, uh, I'm more of a fantasy guy. Yeah. And I really love The Witcher books. That's, um, that's Stranger Things. Uh, yeah, Stranger, that's just yeah. no Stranger Things, and also uh, seeing Superman on screen as anything is a huge tease for me because uh, I really love Henry Cavill. He is Superman, and I'll fight always and um, forever. Uh, I just want to say with Stranger Things, uh, season one, season two, great. Season three was still good, but I kind of started waning interest in that. I feel like the show is becoming. Uh, I don't know how to say this almost a product of itself. Like it's trying it, kind of like guardians of the galaxy Two attempted to be as hip as guardians of the galaxy one. And in doing so it kind of overdid it. Mm-hmm. And this show is trying to, it almost feels like it has to keep ratcheting up all the stuff and they lost some of the subtlety and what was really great about the first season. They lost a little bit of that in the second season, but it was still good. Season three, it just kind of waned for me. Um, and so I'm, I'll give it a, I'll give it a view. Sure, I'm glad they're carrying the the story forward. It's really good uh, uh, as a as a total story. I just kind of got tired of it. I think. Uh, whereas The Witcher, the great thing about that is I know the background a little bit better. But then also just the storytelling. It's like this wonderful fantasy version of uh, a melding of Game of Thrones with a little bit of the uh, wizardry sorcery of. Uh, Lord of the Rings kind of blending in uh, with monsters and creatures. And, and uh, it just looked that that teaser, you know, three and a half minutes long or trailer was really good for me. But Stranger Things, I'm excited for it. I'm glad they're I'm glad they're carrying it forward. I just hope it kind of is a little more akin to where it started and a little less of just having to try and feel like they have to replicate what they did early on. Well, if that uh, makes sense. It, yeah, no. Uh, for me, it's with Stranger Things, I have both similar and opposite feelings for you. With uh, with love your feelings. Uh, the first season, everybody hyped up. It was like the thing, Stranger Things. I was a little late to the party. I finally watched it, and for me, the first season kind of felt like a trudge. Like I wasn't having a great time. It was like just interesting enough for me to get through, but it still took me like a few months to watch the whole thing. And then season two, I was like. Okay, I like some new characters that they're introducing. Um, the story's interesting. We're getting some answers mixed with some questions. But still, I'm not loving it. Season three, I loved. I really loved season three. Um, however, uh, going to back to what you were saying, I did feel I was like, okay, this is the like upside-down story, I think. Or for the most part. I was like, I need something different. If we are going to continue forward... I love this cast, but I want a new story. And this, the Creel house, what they're showing in this teaser trailer looks like, even if there's like a, a thread line 
to the upside down, we're still getting a different story in a different environment, haunted house vibes, um, which I love like haunting at Hill House. So I'm more excited for season four than I've ever been pre-season for Stranger Things. Okay. Um, now, all that to be said, our boy, Henry Cavill, coming back for The Witcher. Um, I don't have a lot of background knowledge. I played Witcher 3 a little bit, but I, you know, I I have no speaking ground. I, I, I know you love audiobooks like I do because when you work really long hours, de, uh, devouring books becomes a, a part of life. Podcasts and list. books are just what you do. And The Witcher books are really well done, well written. And uh, Cavill, yeah, um, a comment right there. Cavill exclamation point. He's amazing. Uh, and there are opinions on whether or not he's the the uh, the greatest Superman uh, up to current or he's a, going to be the greatest Superman of all time. And I would lean towards the all time version uh, just to really stir the pot with some people watching. But uh, I love him. And the fact is he brings something to this character, to Geralt, that is... He brings the physicality because Cavill can do that. That's the same thing he brings to Superman. Pretty convincing with that sword play. Oh, he, yeah. Um, it, I liken it to he is as adept and well-versed with the sword as you would put Aragorn or Hugo Weaving, or not Hugo Weaving, but Viggo Mortensen in Lord of the Rings. One of the things that they praised him for is he was a natural with the sword. And the same thing is said about Cavill in that when, uh, when he wields it, when he uses it in his training, it came second nature to him. And so it feels good and it feels natural in the show. Um, not only that, man, when they showed the little teaser of him, the black eyed kind of bloodshot around the eyes when he uh, takes the elixir stuff, he is like that. That did it for me. Can I make one small Witcher complaint? Um, I don't buy Yennefer as a character, nor do I the chemistry between the two. It needs work. I'm not saying it's impossible. It can be done, but I it's not the strong point of the show, I think. I will say the chemistry in the book builds better than the chemistry I believe you. in the show. The chemistry I'm I'm I can totally get on board with that. But uh matter of fact, that's one of the things I have to forgive the show for not doing well. Is this really hard to force chemistry? And if it's there, it's there. If it's not, it's not. And for that one, it just is a struggle. I'm wondering if, for whatever reason, I haven't seen yet. Maybe Man from Uncle. Wasn't Alicia Vikander in Man from Uncle? Henry Cavill hasn't had great chemistry with many actresses that I've seen. Even yeah. Amy Adams in Man of Steel and that, not that, that universe. Uh, not not the most natural. Um, it, I don't know what that is. Uh, yep. He brings grunting too, <laughs> yeah. but it he he's um, you know it 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 is hard to fake chemistry, and maybe it's just hasn't found that right spot on screen with somebody in order to really develop that or deliver it. But um, you know it it I think that's forgivable in the total story, even though that is part of what keeps drawing him back to her is that that pull. So. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry. I'm bad time to take a drink. <laughs> I was like, oh, dead air. Well, yeah. So uh, there was other things that Netflix dropped, but those are some of the things that I I caught, was interested in. Um, I think it's already dropped. Mike Flanagan, creator of uh, Haunting at Hill House and Haunting at Bly Manor, 
uh, just had Midnight Mass on Netflix, and I'm hearing that that is quite a show. Uh, some, I mean, he also did Doctor Sleep, and I believe it was Video Drew on our channel last night was saying that it's the best thing Mike Flanagan's done. I'm like, that's quite a compliment, so I will have to give that a watch, speaking of that late-time television. Yeah, and I'm with you. I, I kind of bailed on Netflix. It was a bunch of the same junk over and over and over again, so I kind of have to retune back in because um, I've been checked out with them and been on Disney Plus and, and HBO Max more than anything else recently. Well, it's like the shows we watched had such long gaps, but now it looks like they're all coming back at the same time. And Oh, here we go from Ambling Soul. Geralt and Yennefer are characters that are loners trying to navigate this crazy world. I like their stories separate from each other. I think I agree with that. I think I bought Yennefer more when we were following her. When they did the crossover and they were coming together, it didn't work for me as much. And I think I've heard and I'm hopeful that this season of uh, The Witcher is a lot more linear. Not that it's a huge complaint, but I was a little lost in the first season. It kind of wraps up at the end, but they are doing a lot of different things. And I believe, um, am I remembering his name? Or is it, uh, who's his buddy? Who's the minstrel? Oh, dear goodness. Yes, here. Yes. Something. Help, help us in the chat. I forget yeah. his name, but he's like my favorite part of that show. Yeah. Uh, you always have to have that uh, little bit of relief to kind of break the tension because it is a very tense show. Matter of fact, in the trailer, when they first uh, in the I think it's one of the taverns or something, uh, the lady sits down, says something and it turns around and he just sits forward. Oh, and you're like, okay, good. Like, we've got that little bit of break. This guy's going to be back. And yeah, for the life of me, I'm completely blanked on his name. I think it's it's something that's, it's a J that sounds like a Y, but I don't remember what it is. Do we have the chat yet? Yeah, the Bard. What's his name? <laughs> Anyways. Uh, okay, so moving on from Netflix. Uh, we don't have to talk about this very long, but I saw it when I was scrolling through articles, and I was like, this is cool. A lot of people including me, are very, very worried about Dune because it was expensive, because Denis Villeneuve doesn't have a great financial track record in the box office. He makes great movies, but they don't always do tremendous. Uh, currently, Dune has crossed $80 million internationally. And granted, you know, that's not with the theater's cut taken out, but $80 million is about half of what the budget of the film was, because I believe it's right around $160 million. Which means they need to do what about three twenty? You got to double your number in order to actually start making money once you add advertising and everything else back in. Close, close to that. A theater takes about a third, and then you throw the marketing budget in there and stuff too. So, yeah, something, something like that. Well, okay, so if that's half of eighty million gets the marketing and uh, theater cut back out of it, so they're still one hundred and sixty million away, which is not crazy, especially because it's still going and it hasn't even launched in the U.S. Yeah, and it's in its main market. Now here's the problem. I know I was when we were talking to Maddie last week, he was saying that they have streaming services that HBO Max day and date things will come on, but it doesn't seem to be impacting the box office. I am still worried what the box office in America is going to look like when people can watch it at home, especially when it's a property that most people aren't sure about. There are fans of Dune, but it is so heady. It might have a hard time reaching new fans uh very hopeful i'm telling everyone right now i haven't seen it but please go see it because i i need the whole story if we get dune part one and that's it i will lose sleep for years uh we got our answer down there yes here 
I think I was close. I said you I were. Said, yeah, yeah, I might have said that, but I wasn't sure. It didn't sound right. You said something along the lines of Yeti or something along. Like Yeti, yeah, the Yeti is <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, no, I'm I'm with you. The the streaming, the profitability of streaming is something that we don't get to see as fans. It doesn't go in the box office take, um, but that's really measured in new subscribers. Or people like myself, there's been multiple times I've wanted to cancel some of these things because you get so many uh, subscriptions going that you're like, I could I could cut half of these things. I don't need them. But then they tease you with a movie like this and you think to yourself, I'll hang on to it. Another month isn't going to hurt. So maybe they didn't get a new subscription out of me, but they kept me hanging on for another month. Um, that in Wellington Paranormal. Uh, but the people it watch is, Wellington Paranormal. It's really hard for people to, for us to know how that is really going to affect the total dollars of a movie because it's not box office take. I have a feeling uh, it will still take well over a hundred million in the U.S. and the international market will continue so, to grow. Do you think? Are you saying a hundred million opening weekend? No, I'm probably saying hundred million uh, first two week combined. So maybe you're doing a seventy thirty or a. Okay, you know, I can eighty twenty because the fall off is pretty fast from week one to week two. It but is. I usually, think June usually might be might be better. The very best you can hope for is usually around fifty to fifty five percent as far as week one to week two. Yeah. Um, so far, Which is why I'm saying others... the seventy thirty, uh, but still a hundred million dollars in that combined with the international take might it'll still make money. I think this movie is probably going to at least break even and get their money back. Here's one of the things, and I, I I believe I heard that Denny Villeneuve made a, um, like was in contract with Warner Brothers, where I think that he might be guaranteed a part two, regardless of performance, because otherwise he was going to like leave Warner Brothers because of the day and date thing, because he's so pissed off. He wrote a giant like editorial about wanting to like go after Warner Brothers and talk about how much of a backstab it was, and so they had a lot of sucking up to do. Um. Yes, this is a great point. Uh, that there are a lot of people who don't want to go with the crowd, and will go second weekend, uh, so that there's less people. Great, see you yeah. the second weekend. Uh, that still helps bring home the take. Uh, I love that, and I, I this is a movie that. I'll go by myself to see just because you know you know how big my family is, and eight hundred dollars to see a movie with all forty seven <laughs> kids is just a bit much. Um. One of the things that is going to hurt it, though, in regards to the the streaming, is that um, we are people that see movies multiple times if we want to, especially with a list, right? I think there's a lot of people out there that have HBO Max that might go out and see it opening weekend for theaters, and then when they want to watch it again, they're like, "Well, I don't need to go out again. I'll just watch it on HBO Max." I'll be honest. You're going to get one time view. I did that with Suicide Squad. I really enjoyed Suicide Squad, but I was like, "Do I want to go through getting a ticket?" having to go out, sit, take like two and a half hours. I was like, no, I'll put it on my TV where I can pause it, make food, move around because I've already seen it. And I hate that I have that option. Like I'm going to take advantage of the option because I have it, but I feel guilty about it. And I, whereas if I wanted to see it before, I would have to just like make time for it and go out and give them my, my ticket money. Well, as human beings, we are creatures of convenience. And... If you have the ability to see it at home, a lot of people will see it at home because a lot of people don't appreciate the differential. They're not like you and I where they're they're cinephiles where you got to go see it in the theater. What they are is they're like, hey, I just want to see the movie. If I see it with full surround and everything in the background, great. If I don't and I see it in my house, cool. I'll just make sure everyone's quiet. There is a different feel to certain movies that you have 
to see in the theater. Yeah. Uh, Dune is made for theaters. Um, Denny has said it himself. And I... I'm, I'm, oh, I think, and I, it's just weird to say, but I feel like HBO should follow a little bit of the uh, the Disney Plus um, method, and there should be some kind of premium. If you're seeing something the same time it's in theaters, there should be a premium to make its money back. Well, Not $30. No, we've, especially because Disney Plus is $6.99 and HBO Max is 15 bucks a month. And yeah. while that's, I'm already paying 10 extra bucks, but would I be willing to pay 15 extra? To see uh, a theater release day one, yeah, like how about Probably. ten or fifteen? You know, yeah, a little bit of a markup just to kind of add like to you it. You have a streaming service, and for like you, you're paying a couple bucks per body. Except for, I'm sure Dune's not really a family film, but yeah, yeah, well, and. Sean will probably watch Dune with okay, me. Cool. Um, uh, we'll see, but it's just say it's Space Lord of the Rings. It's it's what inspired Star Wars. If there was no Dune, there was there is no Whoa, Star Wars. Oh, I didn't know that. They're trying to do something right now, but that that's also like again, why are you not charging for these movies if you're only charging like eight bucks a month? How are you making money? Um, they're gambling on this being the future. Well, you know, AT and T had Warner Brothers and like controlled like HBO Max and stuff for a while. Um, they're all about to be bought up by Discovery, and we'll see how many changes there are. There's a lot of people online saying that people are going to get laid off left and right at Warner Brothers because poor decisions are being made. If you really want to hear a long discussion about this, go back to a year and a half ago when Jesse and I had one of the first flick and reel uh, episodes on uh, just audio before we did the video portion, and we talked about the future of cinema as far as because how COVID had affected it and one of those things was how many subscriptions can people actually have bundled subscriptions are going to be the future because in essentially eventually we're going to get back to the point where you just have a cable subscription and that's all included uh but instead of paying 100 bucks for cable a month now everyone's paying eight bucks each for eight different or 15 different subscriptions and you end up paying 120 bucks anyways the bundles, if we can get Discovery, get HBO Max, get some of these things all lumped together and get a cheaper rate to be able to have more product. That's Look at Disney Plus. Be. Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN, 12, yep. 13 bucks a month. Yep. Granted, I use somebody else's Hulu. I don't care about ESPN, so I just pay for Disney Plus. But it's there for you if you want it. Oh, you can totally do that. And, and it makes for a better purchase per dollar when you get the bundle together. And, and that's the, how many different things are you going to subscribe to? And if you have people on a limited income or that don't want five different subscriptions, you have to make a choice. Do I care more about the shows on Netflix or do I care more about the shows on HBO Max or do I care more about Disney? Yeah, um, well said. So I think that's all there is to say about Dune. We'll move on to our final topic that is, of course, unless anyone can think of any uh, movie or TV news stories that happened this week that we missed uh if you want us to take any time on it uh let us know what it is on our streamlabs and at streamlabs.com slash flick in real donate and uh engage in the conversation look forward to it all right so this has been one of the biggest stories of the week if not the month and that is currently marvel slash disney is fighting back for the rights to the characters of spider-man dr strange and many others and this is because 
Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to go to the article here and get some. I don't paraphrase too much here. Uh, essentially, the heirs of the creators. Oops, signals, signals going. Give me a second. You're back now for me. Okay, it's probably because I'm trying to open up a page. All right, let's scroll here. So, yeah, with Stan Disney Lee passing, who did it all pass to? The fam family members and things. Uh, let's see, I'm opening up here. Disney and Marvel are suing the heirs of many legendary comic book creators, including Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, and Gene Colan. They are looking to terminate the copyrights of characters like Spider-Man, Iron Man, Thor, Black Widow, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, the Falcon, and several other heroes under termination provisions of copyright law that states authors or heirs can reclaim the rights to the material they've created once a statutory set period of time has passed. So we're we're looking at kind of like when other um, studios would borrow things like Sony had Spider-Man, Fox had Daredevil, Ghost Rider, stuff like that. When it hits a lapse period, if you don't like use it for a set period of time or something like that, then the characters get pulled from you. And I think Marvel and Disney are trying to make it to it's like, no, we're the sole owners of this. It's ours. Screw your time frames, which uh, mixed feelings because like, don't bully the creators. I think, I think this is something that's going to be handled out of court. Um, was, I think they're going to, it was already done once out of court. Right. I, I but think again, they're going to come that, to a settlement. That use it or lose it mentality is what kept Sony pushing out Spider-Man uh, every couple of years just so they didn't lose control of the property. Um, so after Tobey Maguire was done in the Sam Raimi uh, trilogy, they came back with Andrew Garfield because they didn't want to lose control of the property and they had to keep pushing stuff out. And they were in the same position when they dumped uh, Amazing Spider-Man 3 and decided not to move forward. Then they were put in this spot of what do we do with it or we're going to lose it. And then is Marvel going to pick it up? And so you're stuck in this uh, spot. So that idea of if you don't use the property, um, then you you basically release it back. Um, we already saw uh, Sony clinging to dear life for Spider-Man once before. And I, I think that the best scenario is that this is settled out of court because I believe these, these families and it's a shame that the creators didn't get more money up front. The ones that have passed on since that were not uh, well enough. Uh, what's what I'm looking for financially covered for um, all the things that they've given us. Um, and now it's left to the heirs like uh, outside of Stan Lee. I think there's a lot of creators that were screwed by film studios and that's Marvel and Disney included. There's articles that came out recently about somebody getting like $5,000 for the rights to their character that they were going to use in a Marvel film. I was like, that's $5,000, $5,000 intellectual property. Yeah. For, for an IP that Marvel was going to use. And I was like, that's tragic. Um, So I think they, they're going to make billions. Right. Give, of these give the families they're they're like honestly the the creators are more responsible for the characters than the actors portraying them that you're paying 10 million dollars to do so but i'm not saying every creator disney, needs 10 million dollars i don't but. 
I don't like to poo-poo on people, but Disney has a long history of greed and um, manipulating contracts. And uh, look at what's going on with Scarlett Johansson right now and the way they, they the breach of contract with her and how they handled it. There's all kinds of issues that Disney has um, and they just throw money at it and they can get away with it because they throw money, they keep it out of the courts and then they go to the courts for things like copyright and they have laws altered so that they can maintain properties outside of their copyright uh, window. And, and, and I know that you have to reapply for copyrights and things like that, but Disney has a, a long, long history of doing this kind of stuff and they get away with it because they have the deepest pockets in Hollywood. I mean, they own everything. Um, I think we're getting some really good comments in here. It's a great discussion. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got to feel bad for like, because some not everyone is an heir to a creator. There's creators that are still around. And I think that they absolutely need to be given their their share. But I do believe that Disney and Marvel are probably the best hands for these properties to be in. Um, and we They're going to need... make the best quality product out of them. Right. We don't need more hands in the kitchen than there already are. Kevin Feige does not need more to deal with or more people to, you know, does this mean that they'd be getting stocks or executive producers or something like that? It's like, no, just give them the money. I, I hate saying this because it sounds wrong, but it's like, give them the money. Shh. But like, make sure it's enough money. Don't insult them, which I feel like is an issue that's happened um, for a long time in the past. Uh, look, look at like Bob Kane with Batman and like Bill Finger. Like they did not get, credit or like you know the the rights until like post-mortem and it's <sighs> well and disney unfortunately holds a lot of these people captive as well by saying hey listen we'll buy this we'll we'll use this character pay you a, a small portion to be able to use the character make tons of money off of it okay that's great but then then they can also tell the the creators or the um that Okay, fine. If you don't want to sell it to us, we won't use it, and your character will make zero dollars because it doesn't affect Sony. They'll just plug some other deep offset character into some of these places and be able to make bank off of them. Um, this is great we're information all the from facts. Ambling Soul. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you guys check out the chat, uh, Galaxy's asking, "Do you think Sony will jump into this?" Because I haven't heard many people bring up the Sony side of everything. Well, Sony's got to be in deep with a lot of this because they're tied with the Spider-Man portion. Uh, they are sharing portions of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Sony. The fact that they have properties like Venom, um, Morbius, uh, there's several characters within that universe. And they they are co-owners yeah. to Spider-Man still. Um, they're basically leasing it to Sony or to Marvel. So there's... Sony has to get involved in some in this somehow because of the fact Who that they have a vested more interest. responsible for um, you know paying up for like, the copyright the trade or the the copyright and the trademarks for the Spider-Man character is it Sony or Marvel it's originally a Marvel character but Sony's the one that's profiting from the character so is that pulled from their pockets I got to imagine so I would say it's most likely a split between the two based on which property specifically is being cited. Um, anything that's kind of shared MCU property, uh, you would have to have equal parts in that. But then that's also going to give a leg for Disney to say, hey, we want more control 
moving forward. We don't have to share it um, or be at risk of having it go backwards. And Ablick saying Sony probably wants Disney to pay for the Spider-Man issue with their other arguments. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sony is only making money off of Spider-Man because of Marvel. But I so. think if it, if it gets to that, I mean, there's so many ways that this could get really complicated. I think if it gets to that, Disney will be like, yeah, okay. But now we're going to take this percentage from the Spider-Man movies. Now, mind you, these are corporations arguing over profits in the billions. Yeah. Profits. That means after everything's paid in the billions and they're arguing over individual characters and paying people a small fraction, but nobody wants to cut profits because that goes to the shareholders and the people at the top. Um, and Sony doesn't want to foot the bill. Disney is want to foot, doesn't want to foot the bill. And so they're probably going to work some compromise in there, but that's the risk. And then does, does Marvel take a larger percentage of the take? You want to hear something funny? I just did a quick Google search. You want to know in 1999, how much Sony paid for the rights to Spider-Man? It's probably ridiculously low. Um, $100,000? I mean, it's it's more than that. But when you, you think about the property and what it's brought in. $5 million. $10 million. $10 million for Spider-Man in For a franchise that is now pumping out its eighth independent movie. Every film has been profitable to varying degrees, but every film has brought in more than $10 million. Every, every movie has done uh, at least... 200 million has got to be the lowest uh, like, and you have like spider-man 2 is is one of those like globally 600 million dollar movies plus uh, i like what galaxy says is that what looks really bad is this argument is happening right before venom what looks even worse is the film venom itself but that's another <laughs> discussion you took my statement carnage <laughs> looks you can, I don't want to give credit to the name Carnage. Do you want to come hate watch it with like me Carnage? next? Do you want to come hate watch it with me next Friday? Because I'm gonna get tickets and I'm like, mm. uh, I need somebody to just like crap on it later. I, I might. It. Uh, Did you see the picture? Usually trailers from, make it make you feel better about it, and it makes it worse. The. Um, I mean, I, it. Here's what I'm gonna say about this: Is it going to be a good story and a good? good plot line and everything. No. Is it going to be large over the top action sequences that are going to be ridiculously uh, layered with CGI and fun to watch? Yeah. It's going to be entertaining, but it is that entertaining does not equal good. And there's a difference between the two. It I will need, be entertaining to watch, but it will not be good. I need the picture of Ultron going. I can't physically throw up in my mouth because I saw a TV spot and it was Venom at a rave with glow yes, sticks, with the glow around, sticks wrapped like, around what? that was the last trailer i saw of it i, I watched that and went oh, okay mm, well whatever like you, you know venom is like a turd floating in the wind <laughs> also the worst worst quote from a movie ever i'll be right I'll up be, there with I'll a be... toad being struck by lightning Oh my, what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? The same yeah. thing that happens to everything when it's struck by lightning. Wow. Thank you, Storm. You're a professor? <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. Um, nope. The, uh, hope, the, beginning, the movie that? is just going to be absolutely crazy like yeah. the first one. Exactly. It'll be crazy. It'll be entertaining, but it won't. I think there's something we have to differentiate here is the, the difference between a good movie and an entertaining movie. Some movies are both, but they are not mutual or they're uh, they're not perfectly intertwined all the time. Some movies you can watch and go, that had entertainment value and I can find some pleasure in it, but it's not good. Venom um, 1. 
which was better than I thought it was going to be and still was not a great movie, but it's entertaining. Uh, for any of you that missed the beginning of the show, uh, Scott came on here with some warm up trivia. That was a lot of fun. And I just want to remind you guys, if you want to offer up a genre or something we could explore in our uh, beginning of the show trivia, uh, donate to the Streamlabs link down there on the bottom and let's get some suggestions there. This way, the comment yeah. down here in the corner. Uh, yeah. If the writing is not there, the movie falls apart. Amen. You have to start with a good story. That lacked completely in the first Venom. And judging from the trailer, and again, we can't judge a book. And we finally, after like decades of wanting Venom and Carnage, we're getting Venom and Carnage. And I have not been less excited for a comic book movie since Dark Phoenix. Oh, just so many things to say. But we'll wait till no. it comes out, and then we'll have an actual assessment of it. Yeah. It might yeah. be exactly what we just said. <laughs> and I, everyone's like, oh, well, don't make your mind up before you watch it. I'm like, okay, fine. I thought the first Venom looked awful, and I hate that movie. This could surprise me. I've been surprised. I've come in with negative expectations and walked away surprised before. Um, I think maybe the first Kingsman might have been an example of that. Uh, but there's movies out there that um, pleasantly surprise me. Oh, the first Kingsman, I thought this just looks like a really crappy uh, Bond knockoff type well, it, movie. It and looked, it turned out yeah, to be outstanding. It looked like a mix of James Bond and X-Men First Class. Yes. And like maybe like some Hunger Games vibes and stuff. I was like, I don't care about this. And, and yeah, somewhere between now and the next four years, the King's Man is going to finally come out, isn't it? Four, five, six, something <laughs> like that, yeah. Uh, Galaxy uh, says, I'm worried it's only 90 minutes of runtime. I told you that's not enough time for story and action. You're, it's going to be action. Opening scene to the end. You can't develop that means, a that proper means story after, in 90 minutes. After credits, I can be in and out of the theater in two hours. Thank the Lord. That means you can also show up probably 10 minutes late with all the credits before the movie, see just what you need to see, and then be like, peace, I'm out. I'm right. more excited for Morbius than I am for Venom and Carnage. Yeah, I mean Morbius doesn't look great, but like I'm more interested in it because it looks better like than this. It it could follow an interesting, like it looks like an interesting interpretation. Of the I, I feel weird bagging on it because I know I'm going to enjoy the movie entertainment wise because I can find the good in anything. My my number one strength on Strength Finders is positivity. I can find the good thing about anything. Well, let's just be a toxic fan community and spend all of our time <laughs> trying to oh, find. We're going to test Scott. We're going to bring up as many awful films as we can. And like, Scott, what's good about this movie? Go. And it'll just be like a weekly challenge. Oh, hey, if I'm going to quiz you weekly, then you tell me this. I'm more excited yeah. about Eternals. Exactly, Galaxy Geek. That's... Obviously. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually more excited about Eternals than I am about No Way Home, Spider-Man. Yeah, it's like... Which is hard want, to say. Are you more excited for um, a Turd Floating in the Wind or Academy Award winning Chloe Zhao and an incredible cast second only to Dune. I'm going to take Eternals yeah. for 500, Alex. 500. Except really? for who's the coach? Who, oh, it's... um. I can't say Alex anymore because that was the catchphrase, but... Well, nobody uh, knows. It, it keeps changing. Everyone wants LeVar, but he's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> but the temporary... Well, the, the guy they picked got in some deep trouble, and now uh, what's her name? Um, the Mayim Bialik? The the lady who was on Big Bang Theory, um, either way, the Batman. 
Batman. And yeah, I someday. See a flash teaser, maybe. Dude, that would be amazing. Or Black Adam. We, uh, oh, don't DC don't tease Phantom's me with Black Adam. Lit. I'm so excited. I love DC Fandom last year. That was a lot of fun. We got a lot of good stuff, and, the, and they have they have way more projects filming right now than they did last year. If there's a teaser that comes out for Black Adam or The Flash, I'll be through the moon. Listen, because Shazam I, I saw... or Shazam too. Like, oh yeah, let's Fury, throw a little Fury, something out there. Fury of the yeah. Gods. Let's see that. Um, um, I saw there's, the Thompson's... future for DC is looking really good as far as those properties. I saw. Um, Dwayne Johnson posted his last day of shooting uh, a few weeks ago for Black Adam. So, like, it's in the can. And we've seen multiple times, example, Batman, after, like, a month or two of shooting, they had a teaser for us. Or Guardians of the Galaxy had been filming for, like, two weeks, and they had a teaser. So Black Adam's done, and it's still a month or a half a month, I think, away at DC Fandom. So we should get something from Black Adam, more than just a concept art. If we get The Rock in the suit... Layered in lightning. I I will I will be fully I satisfied. That, I love that they said that they couldn't pad the suit. They're like it would just have been too ridiculous. Uh, Zachary Levi was less padded in his suit because he actually has bulked up. Uh, yeah. By the way, there's a movie coming out, Zachary Levi, where he plays. It's the true story of Kurt Warner's football movie, and Zachary Levi will play Kurt Warner, uh, which looks really good. But anyways, um, he has bulked up quite well. In in the new Shazam pictures, he is less padded suit than original padded suit and when you look at the two side by side it's like wow they really were trying to help him out this one looks much better but the rock at least they're not cgi grafting the suit on like they did with green lantern he actually has a suit but i'm i'm super pumped to see this one absolutely excited to see the new flash suit um i would love just give me like 10 seconds of michael keaton back in the suit I just, you know, you won't get 10 seconds. What you're going to get is one, like two frame segment. He's going to turn around. He's just going to turn around in the costume, but you know what? That might be enough for me. (laughs) All right. Well, that is our last topic today. Um, I thought we were, we were were blazing through them. Then we hit Netflix. I was like, Ooh, yeah, we got a lot of, a lot of things to say about Netflix. Yeah, um, there's there's always something to say about Netflix. But you and I could talk about every one of these topics ad nauseum for forever. I just thought with the topics today, it was a good day to have just the two of us because I figured it's going to be right around an hour as oh, yeah. is. Uh, Ambling Soul, thank you for joining us on both YouTube and Twitch. That's right. We are now um, streaming through currently uh, Sean Wingblades or watching with Wingblades Twitch channel. Um, we nice. might be doing some restructuring uh with that at some point but for right now that's where you can find us on twitch also on my facebook profile we're live but mainly you can find us on here on youtube just search flick and reel at any point and come visit us again but also we are on google podcast apple podcast spotify all that good stuff that is where you will find our monday show uh the sunday speakeasy is a youtube exclusive that one will not be hitting the podcast uh, shout out to Sean Wingblade. Last night's uh, speakeasy was outstanding. You guys should go back, check it out. Make sure to like and subscribe. Absolutely. And share it around. We need to get to those 200 subs, please, and thank yous. Um, now, now, stealing Wingblade's Twitch, or is it the other way around? Uh, where it's all one giant hostile takeover. So, again, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. 
Uh, it's been Jesse and Sean with the Flick and Real Fancast. Until next time, keep it real. A boom. Hey everyone, Jesse here, and don't exit out quite yet. While I have you, I want to take just a quick second to talk with you about something that's very important to me. Right now on the Flick and Real channel, uh, we're just a couple of guys sitting around and speaking geek, but we think that we can build into something greater. We think that we can build a community, a place for all of us to come together and talk about our thoughts and experiences about various types of fandoms. For this to happen, though, we do need your help, so please do me a huge favor and subscribe to the channel. Along with that, click that little bell icon that notifies you anytime that we upload new content for your viewing pleasure. So again, thank you so much for stopping by and visiting us this week. We hope we'll see you again next week. And just remember, until then, keep it real.